Hello, church family. Uh, this is part four of Esther chapter three. If you recall, the last this last week we talked about how um, what are the bad reasons to be persecuted. Uh, we first talked about how uh, one one poor reason to be persecuted is if you uh, get persecuted for past controversies. Remember how Haman and Mordecai uh, they were bickering over. Uh, things that has happened in the past and holding on grudges and um, I mean, that's really what uh, why Mordecai didn't want to uh, pay homage to Haman uh, even though paying homage in itself isn't a prohibition in the uh, Torah but because of what they've done in the past um, because of his hatred towards uh, the line of the line that Haman's from uh, that uh, this, that Haman in turn overreacted and wanted to exterminate all the Jews. And had he just let go of past controversies and just trust in the Lord and just walk faithfully with him, none of this would have happened. The book would have ended uh, a lot sooner. So I encourage all of us to not be that way, to, to be different in the way that we handle controversies in the past. Let it go, to trust the Lord and, uh, and let vengeance belong to the Lord and not our, and we should not take up to, into our own hands to, uh, to fight back or anything like that, but to trust the Lord and to forgive the way that our Lord forgives. Then yesterday, uh, we talked about how you don't want to be persecuted over petty customs. Uh, Mordecai, again, spent his life hiding as a Jew, uh, and then all of a sudden, when he had to <laughs> pay homage, he chose not to. And then, like I said at first, uh, there wasn't any law against uh, paying homage to the king. Um, and the point that I was trying to make with this last the one from yesterday was that there are certain customs that aren't inherently sinful. And as Christians, we shouldn't be a stumbling block. We should do these customs. We should honor it. Um, especially if there aren't, the Bible doesn't, especially if the Bible doesn't say anything for or against it. Um, just be wise so that, uh, you don't become a distraction. Rather, if you were to cause someone to stumble, it's not over a custom issue, but rather it's over a Christ-like issue. That people are bothered by the way that you live, by the way that you live um, holy lives. And this is kind of what today's uh, message is going to be on, too. Uh, if you want to be persecuted, don't be persecuted because of poor character. So we first looked at past controversies, then petty customs, then poor character. Uh, you'll notice in chapter 8 of verse, oh no, verse 8 of chapter 3, uh, Haman starts describing the Jews to King Ahasuerus. It says here that there's a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people, and they do not observe the king's laws. So it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. Now, what he's trying to get here is that he's trying to say that these Jews, they do things so radically different that it becomes a uh, hindrance to society. Uh, he's trying to make them, and, and, and you'll notice actually that um, Haman doesn't specify that it was the Jews. He, it's just kind of like his way of uh, manipulating. He's trying to be vague so that the it doesn't um, so he can just kind of make the king think that there's a, a whole group of spies out there that's that's against him. Again, like I said yesterday, that he's uh, it's no he he takes these threats seriously because it's there, there's a lot of people that wanted to kill him. So he takes Haman's word seriously. But you understand that Israel at this time, they were exiled. They were exiled because of their sin. 
Israel was distinct, but they were distinct not because they were holy people. They they probably were prideful of the, their past success and bragging about all things that they have, but they were not people that were distinct and holy. Because remember in the Old Testament, God said that if they were holy, if they were distinct in a good way, in a positive way, that God will use them and, and demonstrate to them that um, that the God that they worship is the one true God. But at this point, they were different, but they weren't different because they were godly. They're just different, just, just uh, for whatever reason, just for whatever selfish gain. Uh, they did whatever they want, and it just so happens that they were Jewish. And if you see this chapter, it's actually strangely enough, Haman either didn't know that Esther was related to Mordecai, or he didn't make the connection that if they're related, then that means I'm, like, uh, I'm actually doing a plot against the queen. Uh, whatever the case may be, uh, he, he, this is like a major oversight, uh, because his overreaction and uh, short-sightedness is what gets him killed. Uh, if he did more of his homework, in other words, then he would have been... Probably had to think of a different tactic because even said earlier, it said like he didn't want to just kill him alone. He wanted to exterminate all the Jews in verse six, uh, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So he wanted to just take them all out. But had he known that the queen is actually related, that he probably would have done that. But again, uh, he, he uh, Haman manipulated the situation and. He told he told the king that it's not the, the it's not the king's best interest. Uh, it's not the king's interest to have these people that that live so distinctly. Uh, otherwise, there'll be uh, like a civil war. Is what he's trying to warn them from. And verse nine, uh, if it is pleasing the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasury. So essentially, he's going to try to fund this whole situation. Uh, and he wanted the king. Uh, he wanted this. He, the king wanted this to happen, not realizing he. In the, again, he didn't realize he essentially signed his wife's own death sentence. Um, and again, the Jews weren't living uh, faithful lives. You know, these the Jews here at this point, they're they're not like Ezra and Nehemiah. These are those are faithful guys. So the people here in the Persian Empire, these were people that were for the most part. Um, they weren't living godly lives. There was no priest, uh, so there was no. It's not, it wasn't like they're offering sacrifices. There was no prophets. There wasn't any warnings against sin. There was no place of worship. So when they said that these people act differently, a lot of ways, just like these customs again, um, they were different, but they weren't in a good way that made them uh, distinct, so that they want to keep them in the society. They were different, but not in a godly or good way. And Haman. Uh, is, uh, I mean, just think about this whole story. Haman uh, made Esther marry a Gentile, and that's actually against the law. You know, he said he doesn't want to bow down. He thinks that's in the law. That's actually not. But then instead, he chooses to marry his cousin off uh, or niece off to this uh, to this Gentile king. Um, and he did, and he does it through this this, you know, this beauty pageant. And, and again, this when we think of what this beauty pageant is, don't think of it as like those. Those little kitty ones. It's actually a way more debauched than that. Um, and, you know, uh, more at King Ahasuerus was bad. Haman was bad. Uh, Mordecai was also bad. They're all bad, basically. And but yet, even in spite of all of that, the way that the Jews acted it was just basically uh, obnoxious to the 
to Haman and uh, even probably to others as well. And the, we can naturally draw the principle at, at, for application here is that Christians must not be like that. We're called to be different too, but we need to be different in a godly way. This is why in Matthew 5, I've, said, I've used this verse multiple times about how we need to shine as lights. You know, we're called to be the light of the world. Um, and when we, are, when we are the light of the world, people uh, can glorify God in it. Matthew 5, uh, verse 13, you are salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, this isn't to say that you do these good works so you can force people to look at you and say, oh, look how godly I am. No, you do it in a humble way so that people start wondering, why do you work this hard or why are you so different? Uh, Christians, again, are called to be different in every sense of the word. Um, just think about the way that we speak. You know, when you talk to you know, at least for a lot of you that are shut in right now, you're spending a lot of time with your family, and, and you might have non-believing families. And if, if they were to hear the way that you talk about life, about or even to them about anything, will they say that your speech is different? Colossians 4, 6 tells to let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you would how you should respond to each person. Our talk should be different. Our uh, things about our life this should be radically different. Um, another thing that we should remember is our work ethic. You know, one of the temptations now, especially when we're shut in, is to be lazy. Um, it's very tempting to just like just kick back and not work. And some of you guys have the privilege to work at home, and I'm I'm pretty sure you're probably tempted. To not work as hard because you don't even have coworkers or other people watching you, but you must always remember that you are working for the Lord, and the Lord sees everything. The Lord sees everything. He knows if you're using your time well. He knows if you're um, faithful with uh, what you're given. He knows if you're honest with your work. And you can see in the Book of Proverbs about how uh, the dangers of laziness and the, and the blessings of hard work. Um, let's see. Uh, this is one of the famous passages in Proverbs 6. Uh, Go to the ant, O slugger, observe her ways, and be wise, which ha- having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer, and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little, sl- a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. Um, Proverbs Proverbs uh, eleven twenty seven. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor. He who seeks evil, evil will uh, come to him. Uh, sorry, this is that's a wrong verse. Proverbs ten twenty six. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes is the lazy one to those who send him. Uh, Proverbs thirteen uh, thirteen four. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Uh, Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and shame will come to him who lacks discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Um, 
and you see this over and again, but if you just kind of look at all these passages about uh, working hard and, 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 and being lazy, there are results of that. And you have to think in your work place now, whether it's at home or at work, is your work different? I have a friend, I think I shared this with some of you uh, before, that uh, I have a missionary friend that, uh, that he, he opened these, um, these like tutoring centers all over uh, this one place. And he said he hated hiring Christians because Christians were so lazy. They assumed, oh, well, I'm working for Christians. They can't, I, I'm not, they can't uh, sue me or, uh, oh, we're all about grace anyway. So they make a lot more mistakes than as, as diligent as they should be. And he said he'd rather hire the Muslim people because the Muslims were at least willing to work hard. And what a terrible testimony uh, for if, if someone to look at your professing faith as Christian and they compare it to you two like a Mormon. They say, oh, I, uh, the Mormons seem to take uh, their God seriously. So look how hard they work or the Jehovah Witness or the Muslim or the or whatever religious group. You know, you need to work hard. You need to be distinct in the way that you work. Um, or so, and that aside from just talk or work, even like sex, sexual ethics. First Thessalonians four tells us that we need to abstain from sexual sin. This is the will of the Lord. You know, in the, in the things that you like on Facebook or the way that you talk in public about, uh, you know, the, like these things. Uh, does it, or, or or your coworkers are talking about, it, or even your family members are talking about things that are, that are crude and and filled with you know, sexual uh, innuendos, do you indulge in it? Do you find it humorous? You know, Christians are called to be distinct, not just in terms of like physically away from sexual sin, but even the way that we perceive it, we should see these things as sin. And I just remember growing up in the Christian school, I, uh, I once asked my principal, why does he think that there's all, the, all my classmates are Christians? He said, well, because they all professed the f- uh, faith once in the past. I said, you know, if you just record their message, if you just record the way that they talk in a lunch time, you would find that most of these people are probably no different than the public school non-Christians. Because the scripture tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's going on <laughs> in your heart, that's how you talk. So whether, however you talk, whether it's about sexual things or anything, it should be aligned biblically. It should, it should, if it's sin, you should call it out as sin. And this is what Ephesians talks about that. We shouldn't, it should not be named among us. Instead, we should expose it as evil. Um, and as Christians, unfortunately, sometimes people uh, are persecuted not because of their faithfulness, but because of their poor character. And if you are persecuted because of things that you're doing wrong, then you deserve it. If you're at home and you're always, if you're actually at home and you're lazy and your family notices that, you need to repent of that. Especially if they're non-believers, you may be the only testimony that they have. Why would they? Why would they want to worship your God if this is how you're serving your God? You know, laziness is characterized as uh, as what you can do to serve serve your God. That's not a good testimony. We need to be different in the way that you. If, you know, I know for some of you, uh, you're living with your family, just in, especially since you're crowded with them in this. Uh, Shut in. It's hard sometimes to be a good testimony. It's easy just to be lazy in your sanctification, but you need to strive for holiness uh, so that you can be distinct. Second Corinthians two fourteen tells us, uh, "Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are 
a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You are to, uh, to the one an aroma from death to death and to another aroma from life to life. So this is what Paul is saying, that the way that we live, it should be an aroma. And it will only have one or two effect. If you are a pleasing aroma to the Lord, then those around you that are, uh, that are seeing your life, they'll either be drawn to the Lord, or they look at your life and they're, they're think, thinking, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Again, if they want to, don't want to have anything to do with you because of your sin, then that's, that's justified. And essentially, you've, you've dishonored the name of the Lord. In that case, you need to seek forgiveness and repent of it. You, you want to be different, even in your fault, and even your shortcomings. You know, the world makes mistakes and they blame shit. The Christian makes a mistake, um, we ask for forgiveness. You know, we try to be at peace with all men. You want to be able to be live, you want to be able to even fail differently. So, are you living differently? You know, if, you, if you're being persecuted for your poor character, then you deserve it. But if you're persecuted for your Christ-like character, then that's just an, an opportunity to be pleasing. It's to serve the Lord in this way, to be persecuted, uh, for doing the right thing uh, is honoring to the Lord. Lately, I finished this book recently on, on, on religious liberty, uh, and one of the hard things about the government, especially our government that's leaning towards uh, secularism, one of the things that they have a hard time doing in terms of shutting down uh, churches and uh, Christian businesses is that they know objectively that Christian, there are certain Christian businesses and churches that actually are good for the society. They see how the Christians are willing to give time for those that are poor and afflicted and the orphans and all of that. Um, and it's hard for them to want to just destroy that because they know they've removed that, then society will lose a benefit. Uh, that's why Chick-fil-A, you know, they're open about the fact that they don't believe in homosexual marriage. That's why they can still operate. It's because the people there, they're just so faithful and hardworking that like I remember I read news once there was like a blizzard and Chick-fil-A went out and just started giving food away. You know, they just didn't care. They were like, okay, all the employees went there and they decided here's our chance to be a good testimony. And it's hard for the government to turn and say like, when you shut this down because of how faithful they are and how hardworking they are, that by removing them, it would be a detrimental, that it would be a detriment to society. And again, I wonder if that's you. If you were removed, if you're being persecuted, is it because you are a hindrance to those around you or because you uh, are, or is it hard for people to consider removing you because you actually benefit those around you? So if you were to be persecuted, don't be persecuted because of poor character, but be persecuted because of your faithfulness. And if you're faithful to the Lord, the reason why people would persecute you is because their conscience is being pricked by your Christ-likeness. So that's why we shouldn't be persecuted because of poor character. To sum up, don't be persecuted because of past controversies, don't be persecuted because of petty customs, and don't be persecuted because of poor character. And as you strive uh, to look in your life this, this last week, look at these three, look at where in your life that you need to work on and work on those areas. Um, again, my hope through going through all of this uh, is that we can continue to be faithful to the Lord um, in, t- in a time where it seems like the Lord is absent. But we know that as you live faithfully, the Lord's using you during this time uh, to, to ultimately give him glory and even draw people to him and sanctify you as well. Okay, uh, let me close our time uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to go through 
Esther chapter 3 and be reminded that even though sinners uh, sin and they make mistakes and do things that are wicked in your eyes, that you're still sovereign, that you can still work and orchestrate everything out for your glory. But Lord, as Christians, may we uh, be the best testament that we can be so you can use us mightily so that people can see who uh, you are, so that, that our lives are such an aroma that people are drawn to you because of, the, of our life. Lord, we don't want to be a stench. We don't want to be a Christians that live in such a way that, that repels people. Um, and if there are any of us that are struggling with sin, public sin, uh, may you make it evident to us so that we can re- repent and you can seek forgiveness and reconcile those types of relationships so that you could be made known, that your name would not be tarnished or blemished. Lord. Be with us this week. We pray that we can honor you in all that we do. In the sense amen. Okay, so tomorrow we're going to do uh, the next Q&A. Again, if you have, you send in questions, eventually I'll get to them. But if you haven't, you want to keep, send, you want to just keep send as many questions as you want. And uh, I'll try my best to answer as many as, as, as I can. Uh, I'll just keep doing these until uh, the shut-in is over. Um, so if there, but if there aren't any questions, I'll just figure something to talk about as well. <laughs> so hope you guys are doing well. And I look forward to I look forward to the day where my family can, and you know, my my family, and Kelly and the kids can be back with our church family together. Okay, take care.